codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 318 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. We're your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, May 18th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, May 22nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. I'm Tony. And Elijah's having a week off this week, but we still do have in the audio booth, it's our audio engineer, Quinters. <laughs> Hello, everyone. So, Tony, what's coming up this week? This week, we're reacting to the new Discovery trailer and Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek spoof as well. In Star Trek Online news, Escalation is coming to consoles, the Miranda gets a facelift, and the Mirror Invasion event is back on PC. Later, our science advisor, Dr. Hurt, is here with another report from the Astrometrics Lab. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to keep the conversation going between episodes. So please reach out to us. We are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We are on Twitter at Priority One Pod. And you can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters that make the show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Please help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's check it out. Well, this has been an interesting week, Captains. The entertainment industry has been busy announcing their fall lineups and teasing the content to come. This week, CBS and surprise contender Fox shook the very foundation of the Trekkie community with the release of trailers for their respective fall shows. So uh, let's start with Fox. Last week, we touched on a new show called The Orville, mostly because Jonathan Frakes tweeted about his adventures on the set. However, in their upfront meeting, Fox premiered the trailer to Seth MacFarlane's new live-action comedy-slash-adventure titled The Orville. Behind the scenes, Seth MacFarlane and director John Favreau, uh, who you may know from The Jungle Book, Iron Man, Chef, to name a few, are teamed up to parody our beloved Star Trek franchise. In front of the camera, Seth MacFarlane will captain the new ship along with Kelly Grayson, who you may know from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and John Wick. And even Norm MacDonald from Saturday Night Live back in the day has a role as a blob-like alien, which is not terribly different than his roles on Saturday Night Live. More importantly, when you visit the IMDb page, several Star Trek alum have already come in to direct, including Brandon Braga, Jonathan Frakes, Robert Duncan McNeil, and James Conway. So let's talk about that trailer for a bit. Could this be the next great Star Trek series? After all, some argue that Galaxy Quest is one of the best Star Trek movies. I enjoyed the trailer. I thought it was really funny. As far as longevity goes, I think it's going to come across in the end as a gimmick, and I don't think it's going to last. I could be totally wrong. I love Galaxy Quest. 
so let me first say that I absolutely love Galaxy Quest and there is a definite Galaxy Quest vibe, but I think the real key difference between the Orville and Galaxy Quest is that the shtick in Galaxy Quest was the fact that it wasn't real and then it was real. So you kind of are are playing along as the actors who were in the series, whereas the Orville is just a, a spoof of it's just a straight spoof of Star Trek, and and I find it could be funny, you know, the stuff, the other things that Seth MacFarlane has done have been funny, but I think ultimately it's just going to end up feeling like a gimmick, and I I think after a little while it, it's probably going to fall flat. Yeah, no, I. I'm honestly not that sure how long this is, you know, going to be around or if it's going to be a big success. I like the trailer. Um, I actually, the trailer is hilarious. I I got a feeling when I was watching the trailer. I got a feeling of Scrubs. There was something about it that kind of oh, reminded yeah, me of Scrubs. Yeah, I can see that in space. The bit where right where he. <laughs> He's like running down the hallway and he trips over the blob guy. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Is <laughs> is is hilarious. If they if they can kind of keep that up and also have kind of a plot and keep it going, I, I think they could you know, they might be able to pull it off, but I, I worry that it's just kind of a shtick that after a while it's a sitcom in space. See well and the thing is the thing about the blob scene, and that and that struck me too, is that it's that's the sort of thing that would be totally normal in the outer space world in the 21st century. You will on occasion step on a blob. And the blob's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool, a, man. It happens a, a all the time. A blob is, yes, one of I mean, the you know, and, you know, it's like yes. it's, it's one of those, like, it's, you know, you run into, you, you, you bump somebody in the, at the, in the elevator or whatever. Oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Hey, no problem. It's okay. That's the kind of thing where somebody like Seth MacFarlane, who does that sort of shtick comedy, that could be good because imagine living in the twenty eighth whatever century they're supposed to be in, and having to deal with things like this every day, being on a cramped ship out far in space, and you know what would everyday life be? That could be kind of fun. What's not going to be fun is pickle jar loosening jokes and leaving the toilet seat up humor, both of which they managed to cram into the trailer. I, I mean, you know, and I and it it's. You want to put your, you kind of want to put your best foot out there on a trailer. You want people to, you want to get a, people, give people a feeling for what's going to be out there. Seth MacFarlane uh, mistaking a marble for a mint, spinning it back into the jar. Okay, I'll laugh at that. That's that was that was a funny bit. Poof, you know, I mean that that's that's good. I can see him putting, I can see that being a running gag, him putting things into his mouth on alien planets all the time. At Captain, that's full of you know phenophetylene. You know, I mean, that could be a thing, right? That could be fun. That could be, but. Uh, enough with the uh, what I don't need to see is uh, you know uh, uh, that that's the sort of rehash jokes that McFarlane does do a lot because they're easy they're easy gags and you know and 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 you can fill up time with them don't do that um, but what I did also like about it was this this the environment seemed to be serious like the admiral's like you are not our first choice. You know that we have a very serious problem. We have a lot of ships we got to have captain. I mean, the rest of the world is serious. He's the captain and the crew are just like a little incompetent and like kind of flailing a little bit. That is what could give it some legs, especially if, and this is the big if, they get better. And that's the trick: is that you know you have to sacrifice some of the shtick for. Oh my God, we could we might we might actually be able to pull this off. This might not suck quite so bad as we thought. So a little less of the stupid old jokes. A little more of the incompetent weirdos becoming 
better over time, and that, that the series could have legs. And for the love of God, let somebody else write the dialogue. Seth uh, Seth MacFarlane's credited for writing the first for writing ten episodes on IMDb. That cannot that cannot stay. That that cannot that cannot stay. He has to hand those, hand those reins off. Well, the thing the thing that it's really got going for it is that it, it's actually got some pretty good actors in there. We didn't mention Penny Johnson Gerald is. I'm not sure exactly what her role is, but she's also there on the bridge. And then we talk about the directors, and I want to talk particularly with Jonathan Frakes because he's a guy that, I mean, he really does know Star Trek, obviously, but he's also got a really kind of understated sense of humor. Um, I know uh, there was one episode that he directed of Castle, which is still to this day one of my favorite episodes of Castle because it's kind of slyly funny but also very clever at the same time. So there's they've got a pedigree that potentially could be very good. I'm not 100% convinced. And maybe that's part of me just wanting to be super like pessimistic so that they'll go away because they are going to be direct competition for Discovery. Let's, let's not mince no, words. No, I do not think so. No, they're going to be on Fox. It's going to be free broadcast. No, it's going to be free broadcast on Fox. I don't think it's going to be competition at all. It's gonna. If anything else, it's gonna be. It's it's the kind of competition that's good for you. It makes you be better. Like we got to beat. If those guys are doing all right, we got to do better than those guys. We have to make a better show than those guys. As long as they're not like, hey, they're being funny. We should definitely be more funny. No, 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 no. I'm gonna take serious issue with that. No, some of the very best Star Trek episodes were the ones that did not take itself too seriously. No, and I agree with you there. But Star Trek, generally speaking, is not a funny show. No, there are funny, funny moments. Yes, and uh, to tell you the truth, if 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 you know, in, in my in my mind, this may be one of the reasons why McFarland decided to do this because, you know, science fiction and you know, and drama and Game of Thrones. There's a lot of shows on TV that are just very you know, Westworld, very very serious. And some of the best episodes of Star Trek were the ones you know, Trouble with Tribbles, uh, Piece of the Action. You know, they just they just didn't take themselves that seriously, and I think that maybe he wanted to want some of that. I, I got an open mind. I was I was excited for the Orville, and then I saw the trailer, and I was a little less excited for the Orville. But uh, you know, it, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give it a chance. I am going to give it a chance because it, look, it, it could be fun. I think I would say I'm cautiously optimistic about it. That's probably how. Yeah, I think that's the best way that I can describe it for me anyway. Cautious, cautiously optimistic. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Do either of you watch Futurama? Or did I have you? watched it, yes. And do you think there's any potential for this to be uh, future, basically a live-action Futurama? So uh, Ken Ray of Mission Log Podcast has commented in our chat as we're recording this, sort of a live-action Futurama. Is that what this is going to end up being, do you think? Sure. I mean, they they could take it that way. Futurama had a great long run, and so I mean, there's there's a lot of possible crossovers there. But I I don't want it's it was built. This is here's 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 what struck me. It was sort of billed in some of the stuff as a dramedy. And, you know, this this says action comedy, and Fox has had a little I guess a little bit of success with their Lethal Weapon adaptation, right? So there's like some haha buddy cop things, but there's also lots of explosions. So. I'm wondering if they're trying to port that formula over. So I'm going to say a little less Futurama and more lethal weapon, less explosions, more like slime. I, I think that, that that's where we're, we're going with this. You know, less explosions, more goo. Uh, I think that's going to be where we're at. 
Well, the other big splash this week came when the first trailer for, wait for it, Star Trek Discovery, finally, oh. finally, What's finally, wrong with things that? <laughs> well, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see, oh, okay. but yes, it finally hit the internet. Now, in typical fandom fashion, the comment section for pretty much every post sharing this video uh, blew up, uh, not just Star Trek fan sites, but pretty much anything that covers any kind of science fiction entertainment. So the teams, as usual, for almost anything Discovery related, we had some people who absolutely loved what they saw, some hated it with the fire of a thousand suns. Uh, and then there was a few level-headed ones who want to wait for the show to release before they offer an opinion. There was not that many of them. But what do we see in this trailer that we didn't already know? Well, so for starters, Sonequa Martin-Green's character seems like she might be another human-Vulcan hybrid with uh, too many human genes, or potentially she's a full-blooded human who was adopted into a Vulcan family. There's something weird going on there because she's interacting a lot with that holographic Vulcan dude. Also, Who's apparently we get, Sarek. Which we, yeah, that is Sarek, I think. Also, we get a glimpse at a new ship, uh, which seems to be a little different than what we had teased last year. Um, it's not clear whether that's the Discovery or the Shinzo. We also get a sense of what the interior of the ship looks like, the hallways, of course, and the bridge. And we also get a much better look at the new uniforms, some alien species, and, of course, the Klingons, which have been a little controversial. Now, it should be noted that Entertainment Weekly reported that the desert scene uh, in the trailer was actually shot on location in Jordan. So at the moment, you know, it's not all green screen, which is good to see. So, but let's talk about it. What did you guys like? What did you maybe not like? The first thing I'm going to bring up is the Klingons. Why go messing with Klingons? They're already established. Again, this is the fourth type of Klingon. Yeah, actually, you're right. Why do, why do we need... Why do we need more Klingons? So we have the TOS Klingons. We have TNG. We've got the TNG, TNG Klingons. We've got JJ. Yes. TNG slash TMP. Yes, kind of. Yeah, no. I mean, no. Christopher Lloyd, the prototype yep. Klingon, yeah. Yes, 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 for, for TNG. JJ-verse. And then JJ-verse. Klingons. Yep, and then, and then the, and then, these and ones. So now, and then we've got these, which are kind of like, to me, I mean, yeah. we don't see them so very bring much. Bring it out. Bring it out. This is because these are this is this is JJ verse like oh know, okay 2.1. right okay we'll skip ahead we'll skip ahead this is this is this is this is halfway between Prime Universe and JJ verse because there's a lot of lens flare going on oh my god it's kind of okay, like lens, it's darkish time, it's lens time, flare and the and, and the <laughs> Tony Tony for for you for you radio folks at home I have my Starfleet uh, badge on my collar of my jacket and I am catching the lights in my room just perfectly. So I'm lens-flaring everybody on the live channel. Oh, yeah. Behold. Behold the power of the Starfleet lens flare. He, now, here's the interesting thing. It, now, we've been told that it's taking place in the Prime timeline. We've been told that. But technically speaking, it could take place in the Kelvin timeline. Because it's only 10 years before Enterprise, which there is a 10 years before Enterprise in the Kelvin timeline. It, that happened before, because it happened when Kirk was a baby. Oh, wait, you mean TOS Enterprise. T yeah, sorry, TOS. Yes. Yeah, TOS, yeah. You said Enterprise. The Enterprise. Yeah. The, sorry, the, sorry, the, I meant... The five-year um, mission, as it were. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, but but I, I think we have been actually told this is prime timeline. Uh, and I suspect, I suspect we've been told this due to contractual reasons. I suspect oh, well, we've been course. told... Yes, I suspect yeah, yeah, we've been told this because of the... Because CBS owns Prime and, Cal and 
the Kelvin timeline is owned by Paramount. Yeah, probably. But there is a definite visual style. And, you know, maybe that's just because that's the visual style that they're going for these days. But, you know, this the, the uniforms look kind of similar. And the darky lens flare thing looks kind of similar. But it's, you know. We, we have a reference for what 10 years prior to Kirk and Spock looked like. And that's the original pilot. That's the Jeffrey Hunter Captain Pike original pilot. That's which was what still Starfleet, pretty Technicolor. Well, hold on. I mean, that's the that is the that is the the look right now. And I, and I'm not so stupid as to say that you know, well, they can't touch it. It's so it's canon. It's holy grail. But you know what? You give a designer the the Enterprise jumpsuits, the blue jumpsuits. You give them the Kelvin uniforms. You give them the 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 Captain Pike uniforms. Then you give them, like, the Kirk rap from the original series, and then you give them the monster maroons from the movies. And you say, find me, the, find me a, an evolutionary space. Find me an evolutionary space somewhere in here that, that, that makes sense here. And then, and then and draw it like that. That's not what happened here. They gave them the Enterprise blue jumpsuits. They gave them the Kelvin blue jumpsuits. And they said, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and something well, well, in between. I mean, this is the natural evolution right here. Here we go. Boom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and there's no, it doesn't, it doesn't place it very well with with how it evolves then into the original series. But you know what? In a way, that the aesthetic of the original series is like so '60s that you know that was probably just a production decision to go. We can't get there. We can't get there because that that is well, an we aesthetic can't get there and be that taken is seriously. not coming back. Yeah, exactly. We can't, we can't get it, there and be taken seriously. Like you'd have to really, really try, and it would look cheesy. Like you tried to shoehorn in some Technicolor stuff to make it. But again, have continuity. Give, I don't know. Yeah, but again, you could give the designers the Enterprise from Scott Bakula. You could give them the the Enterprise, the James T. Kirk, and then give them the movie era, and say, "Fit me in here." But that's not what they did. They gave them the Enterprise from Scott Bakula. They gave them the Kelvin stuff, and then they say. Fit, and then they gave them the the Kelvin the Enterprise from the Kelvin movies from the JJ movies, and they said fit me in here. I, the, the, every every visual production decision that I've seen, straight JJ Prize, straight JJ Trek, every single bit. The only thing that I see that is from the TV series is that they managed to get Sonequa Martin Green's clothes off and stick her on some sort of scanning table. That is the only thing that so far that I could see that is from the original series. And and the beginning, the beginning is straight out of hey, are they on SETI Alpha? You know, or five, five or six? Or, no, 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 Jakku. Jakku, sorry, that's right. Ja- <laughs> we're we're in the twenty first like, century now. Just like Could Jakku. Jakku. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so they, I don't know. They, it was kind of reminiscent of uh, of the Wrath of Khan for me a little bit. Those outfits, but you know, on the whole. I loved the trailer. I thought it, there's a great deal of potential there. We've got some look at some some aliens. It looks like Crawl's back. That confused me. <laughs> Very similar Who? to the Crawl from um, uh, Beyond. <laughs> Oh the, yes, the second, yes, yes. Not, oh, not the Klingons, yeah. but the other guys. It's very similar to him, but that you know that's the styling. Ooh, let's talk about Doug Jones. Not the best of introductions. Not the best of introductions. I think um, they, the, the, what we got of him, the moment that we got of him was, my species is bred only for one purpose, and that's to sense death, and I can sense it coming now, and it's really 
over the top and let's going... unpack that for just a moment here yes yes let's unpack that for just a moment here you're only good at one thing and yet you graduated starfleet academy managed to rise up into the ranks at some point you're on the bridge for some reason talking to the first officer during a you crisis must be moment good at something besides sensing death you know you're probably good at other things too yeah but don't sell yourself short man don't sell yourself short short man and the other thing of that is is that you know if that were what your species were known for, you wouldn't need to have really announced that to the XO during a crisis moment. You would just kind of go up and go, uh, hey, XO, the, the spidey sense is on. I mean, you, we, uh, whoa, over here, over here, over here. We are, we are totally screwed at this point. At this point, we're screwed. Theoretically, people, this is a federation, right? We know each other. We know the Vulcans are the logical ones. We know the Tellarites are kind of angry all the time. Doug Jones, bumpy face people, know when we're all about to die. At the end of the day, it's it's a teaser trailer. They didn't reveal anything about the plot. It's it's an intro it's a very broad introduction. We we haven't seen anything from Jason Isaacs. We haven't seen anything from Anthony Rapp. We haven't seen hardly anything of the Klingons of which they're supposed to be a big deal. So, I think we're missing more than they're showing. So, I trailer. may have been wrong. So, it may not be Jason Isaacs that Buys the buys it bites the bullet in the first uh, first reel. It may be it may be Michelle Yeoh, uh, you know, because that guy that dude senses death, and you know that w- that would mean that that ship explodes, and then the discovery comes along to the rescue, and we see where you meet the rest of the crew, and they you know they they scoop up these people. I mean, I there there there's a lot going on here that they're not showing us, which is fine for a teaser, but I think that the stuff that they're not showing us might actually be what the show is about. It's possibility, yeah, and they're keeping that under wraps right now. Yeah. So who who it, why is it called discovery? Where is the discovery? The because we all have number. to discover it. Yeah, we'll have to discover it. I mean, that's that's uh, and that and that and that could be fine. That could be fun. I mean, that that, that could be a fun thing. You know, why do we care? So now here's a here's a quick question because we need to wrap up the discussion. And so I I forget which of my friends brought this up because basically everyone was like, "Hey, did you see the new trailer for Star Trek Discovery?" And I'm like, "You do know." that I'm on a Star Trek podcast. Yes, of course I've seen it. It, I can't remember which friend brought it up, but it was making the comment of Commander Burnham, so who is going to be our main protagonist for the season, makes the comment... She's very aggressive. She wants to shoot first, so uh, Captain Georgiou says Starfleet doesn't shoot first, and she says something along the lines of sometimes you have to, or I think we have to. And then she's being very aggressive and something about cutting off its head, which I think is probably taken out of context. But it's interesting that they're kind of setting her up as pretty full-on, like, aggressive, which is not what we normally see from Starfleet captains. You know, okay, maybe from Kirk, maybe, but from uh, Picard... Cisco, Commander Cisco, and Janeway—they tend to be more measured, diplomatic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we're setting up Commander Burnham as being uh, a little bit on the aggressive side. What do you think about that? I think that's the time they were in. I mean, you know, the, the Klingons were a threat, uh, depending on the stories you read or the the, the canon you uh, subscribe to. They had just fought a war. Uh, with the Klingons not too long before. Well, it, make, is a- it makes sense for her to be like that, but in terms of making the main protagonist in a Star Trek series potentially be somebody who's very aggressive, 
is a real departure from the last three series, four series that we've seen. But it, it may be, you know, aside from the tanning bed, it might be one of the few callbacks to the original series. An aggressive captain that's like, this is the frontier, I'm going to treat it thusly, which sometimes means that, uh, you know, you're going to shoot first on occasion because that might be how you get out of the thing alive. So, I mean, I, I'm okay with it. But, again, it's it's going to have to be – there. there's going to have to be good story reasons why that, that works, why that, why that yeah. makes sense. Well, the idea of even ha- of even introducing a, a main character like that that's, that is more on the aggressive side is a little uneasy to me as a Star Trek fan. I don't I, – I want – to continue with the same agenda that we've had before, which is quite peaceful and diplomatic, etc. So, I'm gonna remind you about the look of the Klingons, the big window in the front of the bridge, the lens flare, the blue uniforms. Yeah, I'm not. I think we need to all reset our expectations on exactly how much or you know, old school Star Trek we're gonna see out of this new show. I think that our our expectations, my expectations at least clearly visually and production choice wise, have been violently reset uh, on on what they're what they're going to be doing with this and it would not overly surprise me to find out that the story choices that they make and the character development that they pursue are not also similarly violently reset well that's a really good opportunity for a community question what do you think about the trailers for both the Orville and Discovery? Is there a little compare or contrast going on, or are they different enough, do you think? A couple other tidbits came out along with the trailer. The series is going to be expanded to 15 episodes for Discovery, and it's going to have an official after show called Talking Trek. So if you weren't satisfied with just 13 episodes of an hour long, have another 30 minutes or so of discussion and two more episodes. I hate this after show thing. I, I, know, I, I never have watched clearly, one, ever. I don't have... Mostly because it's our turf. This is our Yeah, turf. I know. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is what yeah. we do. Okay, yes, Step yes. Off. No, but uh, <laughs> I, never, I never really quite got that. But apparently it's a, it's a mechanic that works for people. So, hey, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, and finally, our last story for Trek It Out today. We're looking forward with uh, the the new series, but uh, this is actually looking back a little bit, way back to Star Trek The Motion Picture. So filmmaker Patrick Collins has done a recut of the movie using the soundtrack from the film Tron Legacy. Now it comes in at just over 22 minutes, so it's a really quick watch, and uh, for my money, it's a must watch. Uh, I absolutely love the music from Tron Legacy, so this is a whole other dimension for me. And the motion picture being one of the more drawn-out, lengthy uh, Star Trek films, condensing it down to 22 minutes seems about right. That you could, yeah, you could probably squeeze. You, you can get, you can get the gist of it in 22 minutes. I just watched bits and pieces on Kenna's recommendation, and the music does fit. It does. It fits really well. It does fit pretty well, but I do miss the, boom. yeah, that, I, I do miss that. That's See, awesome. I'll be honest with you. I've never actually made it all the way through Star Trek The Motion Picture. What? <laughs> it's, I fall asleep. <laughs> you have, um, like, so, got the worst well, Trek cred ever. <laughs> no, I'm going to I'm hey, gonna give her I'm sorry. I'm give her a pass I'm sorry. on that one. I've, I, have, I have dozed off. Uh, one thing that I did notice about the Tron Legacy, I kind of was clicking through, and the one part they shortened immensely is the fly-through of V'ger. You know, the fly-through of V'ger is just interminable in the original one. It's like they cut to, like, flying through stars, and they cut to people going, 
hmm. And it's just reaction shots of people in the crew going, hmm, that's interesting. This thing on the view screen that I'm seeing, hmm. It just goes on and on. So, yeah, that's the part where I could totally see somebody just zonking out, just gone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, no respect to, uh, no, excuse me, no disrespect to the original score, but it works incredibly well uh, set to Daft Punk. And I would recommend that everybody go and trek it out. Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, now it's time to dive into the news from Star Trek Online. Let's start off with a big announcement for Xbox One and PlayStation 4. The launch of Season 13 Escalation has been announced for console platforms. From the 6th of June, players will be able to take part in war games, work their way through the new competitive war games reputation, and play the feature episode Mirrors and Smoke. It's significant to note that June 6th puts the new season launch for console only about six weeks behind PC, which launched on April 25th. While we know we shouldn't expect to see console content at the same time as PC, the lag time between platforms is shrinking, and that's a good thing. I particularly like it because it makes it a lot easier to keep track of what the heck's going on in Stone News. <laughs> so, so thank you, Cryptic. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Cryptic. And, and I think this is probably what we should expect from here on. If they've gotten the the this, the procedure ironed out, because you know, I think Al said it takes 30 days or so from submission uh, to Xbox and PlayStation to get the approvals. Uh, so if they're if they're shipping that code two weeks after they release for PC, which again makes sense because they want to get the bugs that they missed on PC, they want to run through a couple patches, uh, a couple hot fixes there. Then they're like, okay, we're happy with this. Then they ship that to the console people, they get it approved, and then it goes on. I I think this is the way that the the the, the ship is going to sail from now on, and but yeah, I, I think so. it's probably a, a, a good system. Well, moving on now to PC content. Remember that cute little ship you started your adventures with in Star Trek Online? Well, now the Miranda's older sibling is available as a Tier 6 Reliant Class Advanced Light Cruiser. Klingons have access to the Kepu Advanced Light Battle Cruiser. Romulans will fly the Daleth Advanced Light Warbird Battle Cruiser. And there are also fleet variants of all three ships. Now, with a turn rate of 11, these are some of the most nimble cruisers available in the game while still maintaining some impressive hull resilience. Additionally, the skin has been rebuilt from the ground up to be more screen accurate. With each of these ships, you can progress through their masteries to earn the Evasion Specialist Starship trait, which, when activating emergency-powered engines or any pilot bridge officer ability, will increase shield hardness and shield regeneration for 5 seconds, once per 15 seconds max. The console that comes with the ships is called Potential Energy Entangler, which converts enemy energy damage into a boost to turn rate, accuracy rating, and defense rating. Unfortunately, this console can only be equipped to these new ships or their fleet variants, which is a total bummer because I could totally use that on some other cruiser. So if you've been itching to fly a nimble little cruiser, this is an option for you. Your other option might be something like the Temporal Light Cruiser, but you can only find that ship on the exchange or via promotional R&D pack. So I have a couple questions. Okay. Um, so number one, uh, the mastery trait for this is called the evasion specialist, uh, or it's called evasion specialist. Um, I would argue that the Reliant class was not the best at evasion because we've all seen Wrath of Khan, and they totally got their butt kicked by the Enterprise. So I'm just saying. I think that had a lot to do with the pilot. Do you think? No, oh, yeah. But he, but he was like a superhuman dude. 
So with the Reliant with the Superhuman still got bested by the Enterprise. So the Enterprise was twice as big and had more guns and had Kirk in command. Yeah, but I'm just saying you can't call it an evasion specialist. I'm, I'm too splitting much hairs. It. I'm splitting hairs. Okay, fine. The second question that I have, which is slightly more, maybe, well, I don't yes, know. Sir. I don't even know. If, <laughs> thanks, Ooh. thanks, winners. That's nice. Um, why don't they release uh, things like this on the console at the same time? I know that they can release ships at any time. We saw, ah, I can't remember which one it was. There were some tier six versions of something that were released on consoles before they were released on PC. So I know that they don't, they don't have to do the PC and then go on to console. They can go on to console independently. Um, Why don't they do this all at the same time? That was the Talshiar Adapted Destroyer T6. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we are probably not going to answer that here, but um, it's strange to me. I kind of feel like they they could be for something like that. That it's not necessarily it's not exactly tied to a mission or tied to other content. Why don't they put it on the console at the same time? I don't understand. I, I'm going to say bugs. That's my guess. They want they want to be able to work out the bugs in the PC first because they have a lot more. But control that's what over I'm that. saying. They've done. They've released other ships on the console before PC. So I don't really understand. Well, but did the did that Tier 6 ship have a pre-existing power, or are they brand new powers? The Tier 6 versions of, well, Winter said it was a Tulshar Adapted Destroyer. It was those lockbox ships. They already had Tier 5 ones on the PC. Right. But they didn't have Tier 5 ones on console yet. They went straight to the Tier 6. Right, and that's my question. If there's some new clickability or new passability that hadn't been proved up on PC first i would i mean that that would explain it in my mind i mean again we're never like you're saying we're not going to answer it here but that would explain it in my mind i'm sure that there probably are reasons you know there could be business reasons or mm. they want to release certain content so that they know that people are going to be coming back to the game and then they want to release the ship mm. there's obviously some reason behind it we just don't know what it is hey guys al is in chat asking to come on and say hi so we're just gonna derail this whole thing this whole business should we let him on? Oh. <laughs> I'm going to show up here. Uh, oh, there's a gecko. There's a bookshelf. Oh, what? Why? Yeah. We'll just roll with it. I didn't have anything to say. I just wanted to say hi. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's what? totally fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> I, thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to answer my question yeah, about why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Winters is right. It's all business. It's entirely business related. There is no technical reason. I mean, there's technical reasons in the sense that, um, you know, the release cadence on console is not as much in our control as the release cadence on on uh, on PC. By that I mean right. at any time we can push anything directly to a PC server, but we can't at any uh-huh. time directly release something to a PlayStation or an Xbox server. I mean like I'm talking about like like right now if we wanted to, I could push something. Like well I couldn't, but we could. Mm-hmm. And I would you know, <laughs> hey we, we, we had a terrible bug and we would just, you know, we do what we call Frank and build and we just and we throw something out there immediately. Um, but we can't uh, we can't do that on console. Now we could do it within a couple of days and plan things. But in general, there's there's business reasons. There's a cadence of when we need to release stuff as far as um, you know when we want to have a. Uh, uh, I mean, I've called them before tent poles as far as when you know we have a very strict schedule. We know that works for the business about when there's going to be a. Uh, story release and when there's going to be an event and when there's going to be a sale when there's going to be something new in the store and that cadence is very important so if you do it wrong you don't make as much money and people don't not as much people show up and so the two of them don't have the same cadence 
And um, so it doesn't really work well for the business. It's it's a bunch of mumbly jumbly marketing business strategy stuff, but it works. And um, the goal is for both sides to get everything, but just not at the same time. So so and, it's, it's it's like those Star Trek scripts where you say insert techno babble here, and then Jordy saves yeah. the ship. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and in general, we like to put things on PC first because we can react quickly to fix if there's a critical, awful bug that we missed. It says, oh, my God, there's right. something in there that just broke terribly and crashes the server or is causing an exploit or is just terrible uh, for whatever reason. We can fix that right away and we can't do that on console. So it's much safer to put it on PC to say, OK, basically say, yeah, that seems solid. We can just go right to console with it. Um, so, so we were so, all right. Every single yeah, one you're of all us. right. We're all right. It's, it's just, you know, the business and the development is complex. It's just really complex. Um, that's just the real reason when it comes down to it. And, and we'd love it to be easier, but, and just to be able to make fun games and make everything fun for everyone and just easy, but it's never easy. Okay, well, thanks for um, for coming on and sort of answering that one live. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> Do you want to stick around for the rest of Stone News? I could stick around for a little bit. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, put a caveat out. Um, I've been on sabbatical for for six weeks, and uh, I just got back last week, and I can't even remember my passwords right now. So I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> well, that's fine. You know, you just kind of so, sit back and relax. Yeah. We'll tell you what's going on in Star Trek Online. I actually, I actually did. I honestly, I mean, I mean, I literally because. I've never taken this about it. Was, I've been, it was my 14 year anniversary at, at, uh, at, at cryptic studios. And, uh, so I said, I wasn't going to wait for 15 years. I said, I said, so, <laughs> so I planned this really hard for a very long time for the right time. I took six weeks off and I was specifically did not, did not, I didn't, I didn't touch any email. I didn't do nothing. So I was completely disconnected from everything that was going on. I was in Hawaii for like 25 days and, uh, and then a Worst couple of days just, yeah, <laughs> so that was fun. Well, um, like like Ken said, we'll catch you up, and you can you can express shock, awe, you know, uh, awe. disgust, yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever you feel. Just you know, don't hold anything back. Just let it go. Yeah, I actually want. I came. I come on because I wanted, to, and I'm really sad. Uh, uh, Ilio is not here. Oh, we are too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we are. We're real yeah. broken up about it. Yeah, <laughs> because. Uh, because he started, he started his rant about uh, last on the show. I just finished listening to you last week's show oh. about putting stuff on mobile, and he says that I'm not going to stop complaining about it until someone comes on here and says we're not going to do it for X Y Z. So we're we're not going to do it for X Y Z. So that's it. It's just. Uh, it's do you have do you have an <laughs> you actual have answer for us? Because I would I'd I'd love to throw I'd love to hear it. Is it or is it just um, X Y Z? I don't have a good answer for oh, you. Okay. I could tell you that's that fine. I personally would love to do it, and like 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 uh, like uh, um, Jeremy said last week, devs would love to do it. But right, business, we kind of got right? an answer from Jeremy. We kind of got that. Yeah, I mean, Gateway's gone, right? Yeah, Gateway yeah. was kind of an experiment into that. It's it's not mobile is not our expertise. I mean, I can give you a couple different answers, right? Mobile's not our expertise. It would require taking away development from the main game to, to put it in there. So that resource, if we did that, engineering, art, design resources would be towards that and not towards the rest of the game. We don't have a separate department and it's not free to do. So if we do that, that, then the game doesn't get developed as much. How do we make money doing it? Anytime we do something, we have to decide if we're going to make money with it. Can, can we make money with it? I don't know. That's hard. How are we going to make money with it? It's going to be cost expense. It's going to be expensive to do. We don't have the license for mobile. 
we have a license for PC and, and console MMO. We don't have the license for mobile. We could get it, but so we got to get the license. Mm-hmm. We got to get a team. We got to figure out how to make money. Gateway failed. Not going to happen. Business. I'd love it. It's like you said, it makes sense. Datapad, all those sort of things. I, 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 you know, will it never happen? It probably won't. But <laughs> that is but, that is the most know, definitive answer happen, I've ever but, heard from you on that kind of subject. Probably won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not even a won't. never say never. We'll see. Doesn't look likely. Nah, I'm not feeling yeah. it. No, probably won't. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason to 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 drag that around. Right. Okay. It's well, a, it, I mean, there's always a possibility that it might happen. Oh, right? don't Maybe. don't walk it back. That was a perfectly well, good answer. I won't walk it back. It's realistic, but you know, it's it's you know. Uh, there was a time when when Perfect World wanted us to invest in mobile, and then they decided, no, we want you know different parts of our organization to work on mobile, and you guys work on on MMO, mm-hmm. and right. that was kind of it. Business. So, business. All right. Well, uh, so we'll we'll pick it up with Kenna, and uh, and I'll just jump in after she finishes. If you've got any fun things to say, and we'll just finish out the segment here. So. Yep. Finish it up. Well, there were a couple small issues in the PC patch notes this week that we just wanted to touch on. First off, there is a known issue regarding the red alerts in sector space. According to the post, clicking on the red alert button is not currently grouping players with those that queue through the old-fashioned UI. So it's recommended at the moment that they queue up for red alerts via the mission journal. So that's either hitting the letter J on your keyboard or you can click the little uh, cues icon as well in order to do that, uh, just to get yourself queued up properly. Additionally, competitive war games marks are now included in most mark of choice reward packs. Now, some players seem to be a little concerned with this one. Uh, With these marks now being available via other queues, will activity drop significantly in the war games? Perhaps it should have been in reverse, uh, making other marks, including the elite marks, available as a choice for competitive war gamers. We'll have to wait and see how that actually affects the queues. We did talk about this a little bit that uh, that Mr. McDonald here likes that new ground war game queue because it's so so generous with the marks, mm-hmm. so generous. And now that there's more marks being made available, the danger, of course, is that the queues expire as far as popularity goes. You know, before a lot of people are have are, are have gone through it and mm-hmm. maxed out. The other thing uh, that you have to consider as well is that the Mirror Universe event has just started, which we're going to talk about right, in a few yeah. minutes. And players are naturally going to be playing that more so than competitive war games. Okay, so that could skew the results a little bit. Yeah, it would. Okay. It's not just technical news about Star Trek Online this week. There's also a lot going on in the community. This week, Kipley Brown, voice of Captain Kumarke of the Lucari, sat down to chat with Star Trek Online community manager Ambassador Kale in the 25-minute interview. Kipley talks about how she's involved in Star Trek, from her role on Enterprise to fan productions like Star Trek Continues and, of course, her recurring role in Star Trek Online. Kipley is great to her fans and is passionate about Trek. Be sure to give the interview a listen. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. And with have, all you this... met, have you guys met? Have uh, yes. yeah. you guys met Kipley? Yeah, met her in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got a chance to meet her. Super. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. She was in your. your you did your continues yeah. interview, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Super. Yeah. Super nice girl. She yeah, says, uh, um, uh, we've gotten. Uh, yeah, gotten really gotten to know her, and uh, I'm really glad that she's part of Star Trek Online, and uh, she's had a chance to have a reoccurring role. She's just. Uh, she's just there. That that whole group is just ridiculously kind and nice, right? There's this group of like like beautiful Hollywood people, right? They're just like ridiculously <laughs> like you know Hollywood beautiful, 
and but they're so down to earth and just kind and just they're just really nice. That's why I really wanted to work with them a lot. Um, Are you talking about the continues? Happy. The continues folks? Oh yeah, yeah. Her, you know, and 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 Vic and uh, yeah. and Michelle Speck, and and then of course Duhan, right? So yeah, Chris Duhan, Brent Spiner. Well, what? he's talking about the, the continues group specifically. <laughs> that was and, good and winters. That was good. <laughs> that was nice winters. That was good. Nice try. Nice try. <laughs> nice try. Yeah. But no, I did. Yeah, when I did the interview for, with those guys in Vegas, they're all yeah. super, super nice people. Yeah. They're just they're yeah. they're very relaxed and really open, and they really you can tell they really have a lot of passion for what they do. Yeah, yeah. So I want to I want to one thing I did want to come out and say is uh, I I made a tweet about this uh, is that uh, I want to say a special thank you to Loot Critter because he sent me and the team a box and a box of like wasn't like twelve boxes of Tim Tams. And I already tweeted <laughs> about what? it. That's love. But, nice. You know, I just wanted to say thank you to Loot Critter for doing that. That was very nice. Um, I kept two boxes for myself, and then every week I'm putting two boxes out for the team. I'm not giving them all at once because the whole thing is total cookie. So, like, every week I'm giving <laughs> two boxes. I yep. kept two for myself. That's right. You so, got a rash. Thank you very much, Loot Critter. Um, you probably should have asked for something in return, but you didn't, so that was very classy. But if anyone <laughs> wants to actually bribe me, it's perfectly fine to send me a box of Tim Tams or something like that. We do just have we just have one more little thing to talk about. Um, Actually, two. Well, Three. this thing and then the other things. Yeah. So, no. but this one is topical this week because with all the buzz about Star Trek Discovery, one Star Trek Online player took his excitement right into the game and he's created a custom uniform that resembles the new uniforms from Discovery. So big thanks to the Oliver Bloke for piecing together the video and we of course will leave a link to that in our show notes. I love this that I can't I didn't know You that. must watch the first ten seconds. If you do nothing else, watch the first ten seconds. That sounds uh and now that sounds no, I'll watch the whole thing. It sounds amazing. It's great. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some other events to get stuck into. Just last week, we briefly discussed the mirror invasion, and as if summoning Beetlejuice, we have an event. Running now through June 8th, players can run the daily PvE queue and save up to earn the grand prize of Dilithium, Marks, and a shiny new console called Interphasic Instability. This unique console affects your enemies, causing them to do damage to themselves over time, and their nearby allies will suffer debuffs as well. Once again, the Mirror Invasion event is on PC now through June 8th. If any of you listening are budding artists or just want your shot at a few seconds of Star Trek Online fame, then check out the Screenshot Competition, which is also running now. Players can submit up to three screenshots from the game, and a panel of artists from Cryptic Studios will choose the top three overall to be used as loading screens going forward. Other rules of note, screenshots must be 1920 by 1080 or greater. You can use either screenshots from in-game or demo record to capture your image, but you're not allowed to use Photoshop or other image manipulation software to edit it. The screenshot competition runs now through the 26th of May, with winners announced soon after. For more rules and tips on how to get a great-looking shot, we'll leave links in the show notes. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now over to our science advisor, Dr. Hurt, with another report from the Astrometrics Lab. If you're anything like me, one of the most emotional scenes in any of the Star Trek movies was in Star Trek III, when the crew of the Enterprise stood upon the Genesis planet, watching their beloved starship burn up as it entered the atmosphere. NASA scientists are about to experience a similar loss, 
as the Cassini mission has now entered its final grand finale phase. Like the Enterprise, its final moments will be spent as a blazing fireball as it burns up, plummeting deep within the atmosphere of Saturn, eventually to become part of the planet itself. Knowing that the Cassini mission is coming to a final conclusion has given the scientists and engineers who plan the orbits of the spacecraft an opportunity to execute far more risky maneuvers than would ever have been attempted during the primary science mission. On April 26th, Cassini became the first spacecraft to ever pass between the inner rings and Saturn itself. The maneuver was risky because little was actually known about the material that might be in this region. If there were sufficient quantities of large material, the spacecraft could have taken damage, impacting these small pebbles at high velocity. As it turns out, scientists analyzing data from this passage have dubbed this region the Big Empty, as it seems relatively clear of dangerous material. This is good news for Cassini, which has 21 more scheduled passes through this inner gap before the end of its mission. Cassini has returned some remarkably high-resolution images of Saturn's clouds, at one point passing within 1,900 miles of the cloud tops. Some of the science returns from the grand finale phase of the mission will be much better maps of the gravitational and magnetic fields of the planet, as well as much better analysis of the composition of the rings. Then on September 15, 2017, Cassini will make its final plunge deep into the atmosphere of Saturn. However, it will not stop working. It will be sampling the composition of Saturn's atmosphere and transmitting that data in real time to Earth for as long as it is able. Now, a fair question is, why destroy Cassini at all? Why not just leave it in a perpetual orbit around Saturn? Well, it turns out that NASA has a kind of prime directive itself, one embodied in its Office of Planetary Protection. As much as we want to go and study the many worlds in our solar system, the scientists involved also want to protect those worlds as much as possible from earthly contaminations. This is especially true for locations that might have the right building blocks for life, at least in a prebiotic form. We know the moon Titan has a rich organic chemistry operating on its surface, and even has freestanding lakes of liquid methane and ethane. Further out, Cassini found that the moon Enceladus has geysers of water that we think are ushering from subsurface oceans beneath the icy surface. Rather than even risk the slightest possibility that Cassini could one day collide with one of these worlds and perhaps contaminate these pristine conditions, it's deemed safer to just let it burn up in Saturn and disappear forever. Sadly, there will be no Kirk or McCoy to stand and witness Cassini's final plunge into the atmosphere of Saturn. Fortunately, NASA has released a cinematic movie using computer graphics to help us imagine what those final moments for Cassini will be like. The links for that will be in the show notes. That wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Let's go see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. And a big thanks to Dr. Hurt for the Astrometrics Report this week. Now, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 317's first community question was, would you like to see William Shatner reprise his role as Captain Kirk? From Patreon, David S. comments, absolutely. William Shatner won't be around forever, and we have more to gain than we have to lose. Poor performances, like the direct TV commercial, are brought up occasionally, briefly teased, and then we move on. I would not want to give up the chance of having a few more good moments with the original James T. Kirk, even at the risk of a few more bad ones. 
From Patreon, Joshua Truax says, I'd rather see TOS-era Shatner, Kirk, and the rest of the TOS cast, for that matter, get the Peter Cushing Rogue One treatment. Okay, I'm going to interject. I disagree. The floor is yours. Yeah. <laughs> I disagree with that. Mm, I, 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 I have mixed feelings about the Peter Cushing thing treatment. Uh, I think I just let him... Let them let be as they were. It's fine. I now take back the floor and give it to Winters. From Twitter, at STO underscore Shane said, Just what would he do? Any appearance will be bland fan service or self-parody. Also, he's dead. Also, he's dead. Mm, yes. Episode 317's second community question was, Have you run into issues with completing fleet projects? What are some workarounds that you found, and what do you think Cryptic could change to make it less of an issue? From the Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell says, Casual players who have about, he defines as those who have about one to three characters, are at a tremendous dill-earning disadvantage compared to the more hardcore grinders, 10-plus characters, slash accounts, etc. Giving players a separate fleet-only dilithium refinement would allow players to give dill to their fleets without taking away from their own personal stockpiles. Duty officers aren't hard to get if you know where to look. Personnel officers at faction academies, asylum DOF assignments, among others. Surplus Fleet Marks projects should just give players full fleet credits. The half-credit penalty is pointless. The fleet-only dilithium idea, um, uh, I I don't think that would really work because they'd have to introduce some way to farm fleet-only dilithium. Or give you fleet-only dilithium at the same time, like when you refine it, you get one fleet dilithium and one or something. But then... Otherwise, you're right. If You'd have to be able to farm it somehow, and then aren't you just still taking away the time from your other dilithium? I got it. You ready? You ready? Your, mind, your mind's, your mind's going to be blown. <laughs> blown. Okay. Ready? Ready? I'm skeptical, but go on. If you're part of a fleet and you hit the refine button, you just get an extra amount. So you refine your 8,000 dilithium, and another 5,000 appears out of nowhere. Your fleet gets another five. 500 or whatever, a 1,000, and that just goes into a fleet, you know, uh, bank that you have, a fleet account that you have that you then deposit into a project. Yeah, it has to be free or otherwise it's just the same problem all over again. No, no, and and I think it it could be free because your fleet has a dilithium mine, right? Mm -hmm. And so you just refine that extra bit for the fleet. You know, that's the in-character in-fiction explanation. So you're saying this fleet-only dilithium comes from nowhere? It comes just, from nowhere, right? Okay, it just appears, and because all, because what that I think what the that idea is, could be refined further. Oh, sure, okay, we could we, refine. We, we that see further. where we're going with it. Okay. Yes, but or it could be something along the lines of that you earn fleet ore. You earn fleet ore during you know like when you do marks and stuff like that. Whenever you get stuff that gets you fleet marks, you also get unrefined fleet ore, and then you can when you when you hit the refine button. That gets refined. That you can refine a thousand a day or whatever. You know, it, it could come from nowhere. It could come from fleet missions. Uh, you could do specific content that rewards the unrefined fleet ore. You know, but I, I think it. I think it needs to be transparent, or you know, I'm not transparent. That's not the word. Uh, it needs to be like uh, effort effort free. You know, it needs to be stuff. It needs to be tacked on to something that people are already doing. From Twitter, Duncan Idaho Eleven says, "Delithium help." One, keep running KDF Admiralty, and two, occasionally run Dyson Ground Battlezone, trade in marks and elite marks for more dill. 
I don't think the issue is this the ability to get dilithium. It's the the fact that there's so many other things that you would rather spend it on than a fleet project. You took the words right out of my mouth. Apologize now, can I? <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> you can have them back. That was wow. But yeah, um <laughs> dilithium is used for so many things. People just do not want to part with it. And yeah, they they need to they need to do something with that for sure and like we were saying last week or was it last week or the week before uh, the, the the costs need to be reduced as well because it's getting to a, a point where it's just not attainable well it's a rewards thing isn't it because you know going back several weeks we were all crying for a dilithium sink because the dilithium exchange was going up too high and now we're saying we don't want to spend our dilithium the problem is that compared to pretty much everything else what you get back in return from t- contributing dilithium to the fleet is like minuscule compared to literally everything else. That's the problem. It's not that the... the it's very the, diluted. Yeah, it, it is a dilithium sink, which we needed, but it's the, the return that you're getting, the fleet credits, is is not worth people contributing, and that's that's what the problem is. So yeah, finally, in feedback, we had an email in from Lucas. Thank you very much for taking the time to email I was interested to hear you bring up some of the issues that you face as a woman gamer in STO. Have you any advice for anyone interested in actively working to make the situation better? Any advice for not blithely or accidentally contributing to the problem? And I did want to just bring it up today and I wanted to address it. I'm going to keep it brief because I am not an expert on, you know, women in the gaming space or anything like that. But I can tell you from my experience what I appreciate when I'm interacting with men in particular on a game like this, on an online game, mostly it's that uh, you listen to me. Don't tell me what to do because I do know how to play a game. Uh, Respect is a big one. Not assuming that I don't know what I'm doing is nice. And also uh, sharing the space. Uh, Oftentimes women come into a, a space that is traditionally inhabited by men and they feel, I feel, that I am a... I'm an intruder into a space that is owned by men, and that can be a very uncomfortable thing. But generally speaking, for me personally, it's about listening, uh, respecting, and sharing the space. And now there might be other women gamers out there who play Star Trek online that have a different opinion. And of course, I'd like to hear from you. So you can uh, email us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com or comment on our social media sites as well. I'd be quite interested to hear what is, is going on in the minds of other women game, uh, gamers. So let me tell you why you're wrong. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Don't go there, Tony. <laughs> no, but I'm seriously. No, it's no, interesting right. that you say that. I know you're joking, and actually, obviously, we're colleagues, and I know that you're joking. But more more often than not, the, the biggest problem is that men, even people who are trying to help women, in the process of saying, oh, you're a woman, you need help. No, we don't always. And that's where what I'm talking about, uh, listening and respecting. And we we belong in the gaming space as much as men do. And that's what is sometimes hard to get your head around. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, honestly, I'd love to hear more feedback from female listeners. I know I know we have some. I know they're out there. And, 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 I, and I'd love to hear if, uh, if, if they've got more views about this. Uh, this is the sort of thing that I don't think gets enough airplay. Because I mean, because most male gamers, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for the silent majority because Elijah's not here. That most of them 
just don't care. If a woman wants to play, that's great because that means there's more people in the game, more cheeks in the seats, and the game lasts longer. That's that's you know, come on, come on board. Let's let's do this. So, uh, but when the ten percent or whatever fraction it is gets up in ladies' grills about whatever stuff that they feel alpha male about, it's 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 kind of weird for the uh, for all the rest of us to kind of go. How do we work with that? Is this a, ga- a female gamer that wants someone to kind of go cut it out, dude, or is she going to do it by herself? You know, it, it's, it, the etiquette and the protocol is all very squishy. Yeah, definitely. If you ever see a guy being a jerk, then call him out on it and don't don't allow him to continue. That's number one. But number two, because women are very different. There are women like I'm fairly confident. I will just butt right in there. You know, I don't need any protection personally. But there are women who enjoy gaming and want to be part of that space and feel very uneasy, in which case they might appreciate having a male ally hanging out with them, playing with them, etc. That's where the listening comes in. Listen to women and don't assume that you know what's best. That's that's the big thing. And um, yeah, we won't get too much into it because this could be an entire whole nother podcast. I, I would love it to be one. <laughs> a whole nother, no, no, I'm not, I'm a not whole kidding. Another hour long podcast, one. but um, well, I, I know. But if if we but yeah. if we got if we got a ton of feedback on this, that would not bother me at all because it really is, I think, something that's under under addressed. And yet again, this week our listeners went above and beyond, adding some really great input and feedback on our social media platforms. Couldn't put it all on the show, but we suggest you give it a read and join the conversation. Well, that wraps up episode 318 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Women at Warp and Mission Log, go to Roddenberry.com. Before we go, here's a reminder of our community question for the week. What do you think about the trailers for The Orville and Discovery? Compare and contrast. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via Ask priority one pod don't miss a thing from the world of star trek catch our episodes every monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com you can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on thursday nights at around 11 p.m eastern keep an eye on our social media channels for details and if that wasn't enough you can join us in star trek online in the priority one armada if you're interested just head over to priorityonearmada.com and sign up today this episode of priority one podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan. And support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Suite Media. Speaking of Jake Morgan, a big thanks to him for spearheading all of our social media endeavors and skits. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boat Slew. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. Klingons now have access to the advanced life. <laughs> 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 Just sneeze. Advanced <laughs> light battle cruiser. <laughs> the power of lens flare compels you. Al, now see, you've waffled on long enough about Tim Tams that my cat has decided to join us. There you go. Am I, I really? Throw, am I throwing schedule off? Because I, I no, just, no, no, I just... no. Al, we like we like having you on. Al, it's fine. It's okay. just we, we do need to finish the rest of the show. And but I think that we're gonna say and that. And also, uh, we're gonna make you edit Stone News this. Yeah, week. we're making you edit Stone News. <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. Al. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Traditionally, though, when the cats show up, that marks the complete derailment of the rest of the show, and so we're, that 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 is the mark at about thirty-one minutes. Not even minutes. in feedback yet. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the mark at thirty-one minutes. The show officially went off the rails because the cats start showing up. That's been a that's been in plan for like since since we realized we accidentally left Tanae in the alternate timeline. <laughs> 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 oh, <you're> honest. <laughs> honest. Oh, I love that. It's like, uh, uh, let's see, phaser, communicator, tricor. Oh crap! The admiral. Oh, <laughs> Whose job was that? What? Not even telephone. Ooh, new actor. It's Brent Spiner. <gasps> you can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> he didn't say no. Wait, 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 wait. This, this is. Wait, wait. The power of lens flare compels you. Fantastic.